0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, I'm Michelle Kane, and I'm with Voice Matters. I am here as ever with my co-host, Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro and... It's a treat today. We have a guest. We always love when we have a guest. We are joined today by Connie Steele. She is a future of work and life expert. She's an author. She's the co-founder of the management consultancy Flywheel Associates and the host of the Strategic Momentum podcast. She is also the author of Building the Business of You, which if you're watching us live on YouTube, you just saw Karen hold that up. Shameless plug. We love it. Uh, Connie has over 20 years of experience. She's worked at Fortune 500 companies like AOL. She's worked with startup and scale organizations, high growth tech companies, and consulted with C-level executives. So she's observed firsthand how business is no longer rigid and linear, but rather collaborative and fluid. Connie has always been intrigued by the why behind companies, which is very cool, and careers that thrive and has spent over a decade studying the workplace trends that are now permanent changes. So she's here to help us and you understand our skills, talents, interests, to help kind of figure out that long-term approach and maybe even plan our career mashup, the career of the future. So thank you, Connie. You're here to help us to be the CEO of us.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be on your amazing podcast today.
0: You're very kind. So tell us, what led you to write The Business of You? What what sparked the first thought of, hey, there's a book in this?
1: (laughs) Well, it really started with my own podcast. As you you had mentioned, I have always been intrigued by the why behind companies and really yeah. the people behind them like what is it that make them thrive what are the factors for success what holds them back what are they actually doing what's that how right cuz it's always the how that creates that level of momentum so when i started my own podcast 5 years ago i wanted to really understand that and i interview people across different disciplines Much of that was because I realized as a strategy consultant, when you go and you try to solve a problem, it's never the subject matter area that really inevitably is the problem. It's all of those different factors that cause some friction. Mm. So as I started interviewing people, I noticed an interesting pattern, that the way that they were pursuing their careers was nonlinear, the way that they were operating was different. What they wanted out of life was being defined differently. How they defined success wasn't the traditional definitions that we all know that we grew up with before. They were much more narrow. They're much more finite And money, title, power. It wasn't that. They were seeking something higher. They were seeking more fulfillment. They were seeking purpose. They were really wanting to make an impact. And What I was also realizing is that the people who are reaching out to me Were those that were either starting out or really in their mid stage of their career? So, millennials and and Gen Zs. And they were looking at different resources like podcasts to help them grow. So, as I started digging into these interviewers and understanding their why, I was also talking to, you know, again, this growing population of the workforce and trying to understand Mm. what their challenges and struggles were based on doing really this research. And it was just a passion that I had. I started yeah. to notice some really interesting trends, which was an explanation for the non-linearity that we were constantly seeing and people were complaining about. And the rationale as to why, but most importantly, how were those people who pursued a different path finding the traction they were finding? And as I was looking at all of these different components, a thesis came Really into light, which is a very human centered one, and I noticed that nobody in the marketplace was talking about it. Future of work was really centered around technology, whether it was AI, automation, machine learning. Now, obviously, it's a discussion about remote work, hybrid work, and so forth. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it was DEI oriented, which is really important. What the discussion wasn't being focused around was people. We were changing as people. Yeah. What we wanted why we wanted it, what our attitudes, motivations, and behaviors were, that to me was so key. And when I took a step back and I also looked from a demography perspective, I'm like, wow, our population really is going to be changing. Two generations, the millennials and Gen Zs combined are actually larger than Gen Xers and boomers. And in 10 years, millennials are going to be in all leadership positions. The oldest one is 41. So it made me realize, wow, this is the reason why things are changing, why there is this nonlinear, why there's this different definition of success and how we're going about doing it. Because these younger generations who are digital natives, they grew up with technology. They grew up with a different environment on how to create optionality for themselves. But they also had to because of different factors that were going on in their life at the time. So it was all of these really confluence of factors, I would say, that really pulled me into wanting to write this. And I guess the end too, I was trying to explain my own story because I took a detour myself. You know what
2: I immediately loved when we first talked was, and you shared the title of the book, it spoke to me on so many levels because you t- building the business of you. And and just that title alone is so powerful because it is the human story. And even for those of us like All of us here today who have our own businesses, PR people in particular, we're so good at building the business of others. So it's still that (laughs) traditional corporate mentality that carries over where we're all about the team and all about the company. But what about you? What about us as individuals? What about what motivates us? What about working in our purpose? Are we happy? And how are we building ourselves and sometimes people confuse that with promotion, but I love that your your book tackles so many of the deeper issues of our whole thought process around work and, and our role in it and what work looks like and how we can define that for ourselves. And so I'm really excited to dig into that today. And I just, you know, I love your researcher mind because you definitely approach this as a researcher and you you present in your book, these very, very practical action steps to take. It's very methodical, but it also is creative. So one of the things you talk a lot about is fluidity. And I love that word. I love it. It just, you know, it puts me in a place of like, yeah.
1: We <laughs> <laughs> would all love to be in a
2: flow state, right? <laughs> yes. So talk a little bit about fluidity and what that means to, to people like us. You know, how does that fit into building the business of you?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So let me start it with the context of how work has been changing to then help people understand why there's this overarching theme of fluidity. So if you can take a step back and think about how you feel work has been changing where it used to be this linear sequential siloed very conformist way of working and it's different now it feels more non-linear it feels more collaborative right because you need to work with multiple people to get something done it's more multimodal and multidimensional and all this really is moving towards this level of convergence we now have this optionality where we don't have to choose between one thing or another it's not an or situation it's an and Yo. We want personal and professional, purpose and profit, right? There's work and life. It's digital and physical. Everything in the world today is more of a hybridization of things where you're combining all those different elements. So then when you layer on top of what does that mean for me as a person? Well, let's take your identity. During the pandemic, I'm assuming both of you were constantly context switching between the 10 roles that you had at any one time. <laughs> so obviously, <Okay>. you are <laughs> your business owners. That's one, but you are also the PR leads for the companies you service. That's another, but you're also podcasters. That's another. You, know, you yeah. manage your household. That's another. And that's all happening so dynamically. And for you to feel like you're making traction and get that checklist of things that you probably have noted on a piece of paper done. You have to move very fast. You have to be fluid in context switching. But another aspect is think about where you're now working, right? So fluidity also means where you work, when you work, how you work. When I mean how, think about the tools that you're using. So right now we're on StreamYard, but you're switching between StreamYard and then Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Google Meet You have to learn all of these different applications with the clients that you service. You probably have multiple emails (laughs) and inboxes that you have to switch between. So you have kind of different identities in those. You're switching between all of that. And so you're also dealing with different processes. Different clients have different ways of working. Your mindset, the time, the goals that you have, and let's also say your personal goals and your professional goals, they're all intertwined now because work and life is integrated. So the reason why fluidity for me was really that core theme that I saw, similar to how you know, Carol Dweck's great book, she's like, you have to have the growth mindset to be able to make that traction. For me, fluidity really hit home because of all of these different layers and levels and factors that were impacting us on our day-to-day lives. So that's why it's so important for people to understand, you know, the world of work is fluid. You can't stay fixed. For you to grow in whatever it is you want to do, you have to have that growth mindset, which means it's constantly testing, learning, iterating on yourself to see what fits best. Because- the future work is about you trying to be your whole self, whatever that looks like, because we don't want to conform anymore. And we're seeing that a lot. A lot of people are resigning from their jobs. You're seeing that, right? Because they're saying, yeah. wait, I don't want to be in this toxic environment anymore. Or I don't have the freedom and flexibility and control that I need to support my family in that way. And I can't separate those anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: You know what you you said? And it it was like a aha moment for me. You talked about the, the role switching. Mm-hmm. And the ha moment for me is that, and you mentioned dynamic, we as individuals have always had multiple roles. Mm-hmm. What I think is really different today is that when you ask a millennial what they do, it's never one thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They may have a job, but they also have a side business and they yes. another side business. So they may have, you know, things that they create and they sell on Etsy, but then they also invest in this and they do this and they do mm. that. And in your book, I think one of the best examples that really stuck with me was the football player who is not only a football <laughs> player, but is also an artist. And I feel like... Justin me-
1: Tucker, he's an opera singer. So He's yeah. an NFL player and he's yeah. an opera
2: singer. So we of course. think about <laughs> expressing ourselves and not choosing one medium of expression for mm-hmm. this thing that we call work, but allowing ourselves to fully express ourselves and pursue our interests. And in doing that, create work that's so unique to each of us. Because when you talk to the Uber driver, who's also a professor, who's also got another business, what he does, does not look like Anybody else? It's his unique way of expressing himself through these various roles, and and so I think that that's really fascinating and really different. And you're right when you look at generations; it's that is one stark difference between yeah. boomers and younger generations is that boomers did one thing and they did it for life. Sometimes they changed a job, but they still did the same thing. They did not mm-hmm. wholesale change their career. But millennials. And actors are just like, okay, I'm gonna do 10 things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. You
1: know, and some of this sort of thesis came about because I was looking at the profiles on LinkedIn. So if you look at how people are defining themselves, right? It is not just your title anymore. It used to be because I was one of those early people on LinkedIn and you're trying to find, well, how do I reflect mm-hmm. the title? Right. Because it's that really defines you. The one thing that you pick is what defines you and how people are going to determine if they might want to engage with you. Now, you see five, six different things because people yeah. will identify that they are maybe a photographer and a designer and a developer, a musician, all of those things now. So, yeah. you're absolutely right that people want to be able to express all of their different talents. You see that and and it's these examples that I continually saw in the media. <laughs> on LinkedIn as well as interviewing the people on my own podcast that helped me realize wow there's something really here and people are moving towards that because they don't want to compartmentalize all these different talents that they have why should you right because it makes you uniquely you and while other people might not be able to see the connectivity or really the the through line through that You do. You can see how one skill or experience helps you in another. And it's very innate to people. Yeah. For that football player. You mentioned being an opera singer makes him a better athlete because of the singing in a diaphragm. Like, oh, that makes sense. I would have never thought of that. But but we're used to defining people in boxes. Yeah. Nobody wants to be defined and put in a box anymore. (laughs) So When you remove all of those very specific criteria, you also open yourself up for opportunities that you wouldn't have considered. And let's face it too, technology has given people a platform to explore and try unlike ever before. So that's yeah. a huge driver as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, I think talking about this, I hope that this... Because it, it does take a little bit of a, of a shift in your perspective. You know, I come from a generation that valued focus. Mm. And, you know, when you talk about having five different things going on, that it's hard to push against that traditional concept of that's a lack of focus. You're doing too many things. You're all oh. over the map. And, you know, there's that old expression of being, what is that expression?
0: Jack of, of, all, trades, you know, of all trades, master of none. None.
2: <laughs> you know, that really is no longer true because yeah. what we're talking about is there is an underlying focus, and that focus is exploring your purpose and really expressing yourself. And that doesn't have to be confined to a single role. So right. but it does, you know, even I have to catch myself and go, yeah, that that's okay for you to do that. You you have permission to do more than one thing. Right.
1: Absolutely. And I know that people may think, well, wait, but if I have four or five different things, how do I juggle that all? Well, it's knowing which ones that are complementary as well that enables you to leverage all those different aspects and skills that you have. Because for example, you guys are podcasters, but you also speak. I mean, it's speaking and podcasting go hand in hand, but there are opportunities to position yourself and potentially really drive some income, if you'd like, through that vehicle. So so there are really interesting ways where there's connective tissue there, but what has to be defined is what is the goal that you're going after? What do you really want in your career as well as life? To your point that you made earlier on, we don't spend the time to necessarily look inside ourselves. And ask us that question. It's, what's the next job? What's the next opportunity? Yeah. But when we say, what really fits me? What makes me happy? What is the environment that I want to create for myself? These are all higher order questions, which is hard and it's very scary to ask yourself because it's not immediate. This is not something that will happen overnight and we want something to happen right now. It takes time to actually do that self-work and that introspection. Probably ask other people because you might not be able to answer it for yourself, but you need other people's input to help get you there. Yeah. So until you do that and align these macro trends that are happening in the marketplace to really what makes you, you, that's when you can find that alignment. And that's part of this strategic planning process that I have in the book because we don't do strategic planning for ourselves. We do oh. tactical things, right? We are like, hey, Let's go find this next client or I need to do these specific things for my client. And so we're in the day-to-day, but not big picture. What are we trying to be? Where do we want to go? What really will make us happy? That's a very different part of the brain. It's scary because it's new and it's different. It makes us uncomfortable. And when things are uncomfortable, we have fear. And then we stop because we don't want to fail. So (laughs) then it just, we don't even bother. We just stick to what we know. And that's a vicious cycle. And yeah. we don't move forward.
0: It's so yeah. very true. And I think so often, I think that in and of itself, recognizing the need to do that is a mind shift. Yes. Especially mm-hmm. probably more so us and Gen X, right? Of, <laughs> oh, wait, I should be thinking about this. And it's important to make the time to do it. And also, ugh, but we need to do that work. We really
1: do. 100%. I want to share this story too from a really interesting person I met. She is probably seven years out of her career. And she had mentioned to me that she is constantly looking at the job boards for opportunities, even though she's quite happy in the place that she's at. And she had found this opportunity at Spotify that had to do with algorithmic bias. New job, right? And we know at the rate of change that's occurring and the new opportunities that will be really brewing to the surface, we can't predict what new jobs are going to be happening three, five, 10 years from now. But she saw this job and she got so excited because she said, "Wow, that job integrates all my different skills and passions because I actually took statistics in college and I loved it. I'm doing product management right now, specifically in AI and machine learning. It's very relevant, but I have a passion for diversity and equity and ensuring sort of a better future for people. She was that job integrates all these different elements Mm. of me. And that was just another, I guess, confirmation of where I could see when you can go broad and it's about breadth versus strictly depth because We only, depending on who you are, there's a certain level of depth that people want to pursue in any particular area until we get bored. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we don't want to stretch ourselves and do something else. The question is, how do we start to integrate all of that? I like to use the analogy of like building Legos. In the past where you had a, well, for me, (laughs) you had just a big plate. And sometimes you knew exactly what you wanted to build. So you start building it. So if it's a house. Other times you're not sure, you just want to play with Legos. So you put one brick down, put another brick down on the board, just different pieces. But as you start building, something comes to your mind and then you realize, okay, I need to connect it all together. I look at that as similar to how we want to craft our careers. Each of those blocks could be a skill, could be an experience, could be a piece of education, could be an interest. But as you start to build it and they're all over that board, it starts to become clear and clear for you what that whole picture could be, but you don't know until you try. Mm. And we are in this world now where it is about experimentation. Those that are millennials and Gen Zs have grown up in a world of experimentation because they can. And that's how they learn. They want to try kind of on the job or sort of on the web, whatever it may be, they can. So it actually enables them to identify what they like faster versus us. Well, you had to do a more traditional and formal route and you had to decide and you take these classes, but classes are not reflective of what you might be really doing in the real world, but yet Mm -hmm. you still had that prerequisite of needing to do it before doing the job. Different now.
2: Yeah. I love how you say this in the book. You say there was an unquestioned expectation to pick a path, stay the course and progress upward. But I learned that I had to test, measure, and try my own thing to figure out what fit. And I mean, I think giving yourself that permission to test it, measure it, I think many solos can take inspiration from that. And I have long advocated for and said that sometimes means that you can move from being in business for yourself to being in a company that's offering you what you need. And I love the freedom to be able to explore what motivates you, where you feel your purpose is, where you feel that growth is, regardless of what type of role that is, whether that is being the CEO of your own company or moving back into corporate America in a role that
1: fits you in that season of your life. There's nothing wrong with that. 100% agree. I'm sure many people felt stifled in the past because society would evaluate you based on a very linear career progression where they could tell a very easy story. So if you had moved up in certain companies that were alike and they could see that growth because growth was defined in a very specific way, Mm -hmm. then inevitably it would be easier for you to find the next opportunity because that was inevitably your measure of success. So you stayed within those lanes. Now people are defining the rules differently Mm -hmm. and flowing in and out of independent or going to a company isn't looked to pound as in looked upon negatively in the same way it was before. Yeah. But certainly, I completely right. understood that. I mean, I pivoted out of a corporate job without another job, and that was a no-no <laughs> ten plus years ago. Right? You, yeah. you knew yeah. that. Oh, you don't leave a yeah. job without having another job, right? Because you have to explain while you're not working and all of that. And so there were very specific rules of engagement, right? To ensure that you could land the next thing. <sighs> the rules are now being completely changed, but it gives you the opportunity to identify what are my rules? What do I need? Because unfortunately the level of support that you maybe once have had has shifted too. So it's so necessary that people take stock and investing in themselves to determine what that right path is because you know you drive your own fulfillment.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: And we know that we we've seen it time and time again, right? Like people have their companies have their specific interests. Yeah. You need to focus on yours, not to the detriment of not being a team player. But it, it's so important that we focus on how we can accelerate and know thyself. Mm-hmm. And I think that
2: is, you know, I
1: think, thank you,
2: younger generation, for yeah. moving things along and accelerating something that really needed to happen. But it really has created this interesting environment in the world of work because I think organizations are struggling to find their lane. They don't know how to deal with all of this newness. (laughs) (laughs) And and let's face it, the pandemic has us all looking at things a lot differently. And we are, we're gone. We're in the future. (laughs) And, you know, companies are are being left behind because they don't know, you know, I just read something today, for example, that Bank of America had, you know, said all of their employees back to the office and they're concerned because everybody didn't do it. So I don't think companies know (laughs) What do we do? Like, oh, my God, you know, the workers have taken over. They're changing jobs. They're, you know, they have side businesses. They are rewriting the rules of engagement. And they, they're they they're really trying to catch up. They're not there. You know, I see organizations, even the ones that we might consider progressive, they're just not there.
0: Yeah. What, what do you mean you don't want to come and sit in my cubicle and work for me? It has worked for years. It's so like, come right. on.
1: <laughs> exactly. I think this is why, you know, this work excites me so much. Yeah. Because what we have to remember is that companies are made up of people. Yeah. Right? And when you don't understand your target audience, of course you're going to be stuck. <laughs> Just like for you as PR professionals, you ask those companies, who's your target audience? Yeah. Why do you want to pursue them? What is it about your products and services that make it compelling? Yeah. This helps us craft the right stories, the right outlets to pursue, because we're aligning all of that. But until you have that, it's hard for you to do your job. And so you right? feel stuck. This is the same thing. It's as simple as that, but you're not choosing to come to the table to really understand them. And there's no one solution. Just like for you, I know in your profession, I have, I'm a marketer too. There's no one way. There is no one way. Yeah. To get compelling media coverage. There are multiple lenses. Yeah. There are multiple avenues and we try which one fits. This is the same thing in your company. You have four, possibly five generations of people. They all don't want the same thing. Somebody in their 20s and where they are in their life is going to be very different than somebody in their 50s and what they want out of their life. So to yeah. assume it's going to be the same type of comp, you know, that there's certain level of compensation, benefits, and so forth. So that's one package and we throw that out there and that should make you happy. No. <laughs> so there's a lot of customization and personalization, if we're going to yeah. say, you know, as products that you have to do and that's work. Companies have never had to do that before. They haven't had to invest or really align with these individual employees and have that mutual value exchange because it was more dictatorial. It was, hey, this is the way it is. You come in, you do as I say. They don't have to. So, to figure out, well, what are those solutions? It means you have to start small, just like building software products, given that's where I come from. Let's start small. What could be an opportunity that we pursue? Does that work for us? How can we make it better? How can we improve it? Then you can learn how to scale it to others, but you have to constantly flex and adapt because there's going to be absolutely new things that come into play that you cannot anticipate. How many of you have probably done a situation whether you've been in a corporate environment where you start your job, three months later, new boss, new role, new department. You didn't expect that. So you have to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Different. And there's so, a lot
2: of pivoting happening right now in corporations. And, and you know, we as peer professionals, obviously we feel that too, because everything is fluid. Everything It changes. We just wake up every day and expect it to all be different. I mean, I've had executives that have jumped ship during the pandemic to do nothing. They just, which is so, you know, five years ago, even that was unheard of executives leaving their jobs to go do nothing because they just want to explore life. My God, you know, we would have thought that they were having a mental breakdown, right? Today, that's perfectly normal. And, you know, it's perfectly normal for people to come into a role and not even stay a year before they're off to the next thing. And that's our normal. And we've all got to find a way to really be okay with these changing dynamics and learn to work within that while also, making sure that we're taking care of us and our business.
1: <laughs> 100%. So now you can see my fluidity <laughs> was that overarching yeah. theme because yeah. change is constant. Uncertainty is a new certainty. And the more that you can get in that mindset that you know, well, things could change tomorrow. Things could change an hour from now. But right. you still are very clear on the overarching goal that you're working towards for yourself. Mm-hmm. Then you'll know... That you're still making progress. I think what's hard is that when we're not clear on what it is we're striving for and things shift yeah. left and right, yeah. we feel like we're being you know, jiggered all over the place. And it's so unnerving. It makes us really uncomfortable. And we yeah. have a lot of fear then. And then we start to kind of plant ourselves to try to get control.
0: Mm-hmm. But that's that's because we
1: haven't defined it. But if we know, wait, I'm still working towards this. And even though I had a zig left, zag right, (laughs) all of that is still moving me forward to what I want to be doing or how I want to help a company. Yeah. So I think that's important for people to realize is that this is the way it's going to be. But there could be great things out of it because you might get opportunities or learn new skills that you wouldn't have expected ever. So it's not right. always negative. I completely understand how it can feel like that because I deal with that <laughs> myself. Yeah. And you're wondering, really? Again? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Right? Okay, fine. Right? <laughs> like, I'll just move right. on. <laughs> I know Michelle
2: is going to wrap us up, but before she does, I want to once again make sure that our listeners grab Connie's book. It's called Building the Business of You. It's fantastic. And it really will have you doing some deep thinking about your own business and Mm -hmm. your purpose and, and how you're going to craft this next stage. She talks a lot about spotting trends and she really works through this in a very analytical yet approachable way. And so please get the book. We may or may not do a little promotion where we give away a new copy. So stay tuned for that. That will require you watching our social channel. and newsletter because we want to we want to get this in your hands because it's such a good tool. And you know, I have highlighted so many passages that spoke to me. And
0: oh, thank you! I love all of
2: the personal stories and it was actually quite inspiring. I think, you know, during this time of my own life, I'm in that season where I'm really thinking more and more about legacy and I'm thinking about mortality and I'm thinking about what's the next pivot for me. And I'm sure many of you out there can relate and this yep. provided a great blueprint and we'll make sure to drop it in the show notes, but yep you don't want to wait for that, Build a <laughs> Business of You by Connie Still, you can grab it on Amazon. And I encourage you to drop into her LinkedIn and connect with her because she also just launched this great course that delves deeper and will walk you through this. So if you're you know, in that phase of trying to find your career mashed up and don't know how to find your own compass, you want to do the course and connect with Connie. She's fantastic. She talks about these topics and they're so fascinating and so helpful, not only in our business, but I also believe that this knowledge helps us to be better counselors to our clients. And so I'm always looking for that lens because as PR professionals, we know that we develop strategies for the companies that we serve. So understanding this organizational mindset and the shift in the landscape of work is very beneficial.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And I think, you know, so often we talk about this as our solo shops, that it's a selling point of us, you know, an outward client facing selling point of, hey, we can pivot quickly, we can be fluid in our work, but now it's time to take time to be fluid and pivot about our own business. So this is just such a great opportunity. Like Karen said, I encourage you connect with Connie on LinkedIn, visit her at Conniewsteel.com. And yes, please do buy the book. And until next time, we thank you for joining us for That Solo Life.